0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 21 of the podcast. We're excited to have you here with us. Uh, we're excited about the show we have here tonight. I'm um, here with my partner, Steve Enders, the man, the myth, the legend. Say hi to him, Steve. He still hasn't said anything yet. And as you <laughs> see, we have our friend, is that Calvin or Hobbes in the background? Uh, that's Hobbes. Hobbs. Hobbs. So there's Hobbes. So... Um, John isn't here with us tonight, but you'll see you have a, a great lineup of, uh, three studs here to, uh, make up for the fact that John's not here. I, in my opinion, Hobbs definitely brings a lot more to the table than John does anyway. So
1: at least in the looks department.
0: Yeah, definitely. They're both, they're both gingers though. That's what's interesting about it. <laughs> they have the exact same, exact same hair color. Definitely. Yeah. And they both have the same physique, except John doesn't have a, a tail. So, well, yeah, but they're yeah.
1: they're long and slender and hairy.
0: Yeah, and no gluteus maximus at all. Just no. Right. Lady. Yeah, just a tail. But in John's case, no tail. Anyway, let's get into it. Here, we <laughs> wanted to talk about a story when we um, when we started off tonight. Uh, you had um, the story pulled up. Basically, this was all over facebook all over social media and um kind of upset me a l- little bit um but reptiles actually that's actually as strong a stance as you'll see reptiles take um so i thought that was interesting and then you could see down in the in the photo um it makes me want to cry um a zoo tried to keep um a malagasy tree boa with a radiated tortoise, and the results were not that great. If you watch the video, though, it's kind of like, I don't know, kind of boggles the mind a little bit why they would keep them in that that type of environment and so close together. Uh, To me, it looked like they were just keeping them between uh, enclosures, like while they were cleaning the enclosure, they just threw them in this little thing. But um, that was the thing that was most disturbing to me, is that here's two large animals in a pretty small space. Um, so, I mean, Steve, I don't know if you have any thoughts. Uh, you know, in my opinion, that might
1: be the biggest reason it didn't work. Granted, we're probably only getting a small snapshot at a habitat in this picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, as we were prepping for this topic tonight, um, <clears throat> this one particular map says the Malagasy tree bow can occur down here on the southern tip mm-hmm. of... Of the island, and if you'll notice radiated tortoises here in pink can also occur on the southern tip of the island. So it is possible that their habitat does overlap in the wild, which may be why they tried to put them together in the first place. Um, a lot of zoos are you know, going this route lately, trying to do mixed species exhibits of species that would share space in the wild. And it's it's got some good points to it. For one, it can be a space saver to um, Especially if your habitat is big enough, you can exhibit more than one species in the same area, and not have to worry as much about cross contamination because they're native to the same areas as well. Um, so you know there are there are pros, there are cons. Um, you know sometimes it's it's worth a shot, and sometimes maybe it isn't. Uh, you know I don't I'm not going to necessarily make a stand here and say hey they should have never tried this, but but clearly it's something you can learn from and say okay you know we won't try this one again.
0: I think it's one of those things too, you don't necessarily know, you know, um, if you don't know necessarily when the, all right, I'm a social worker, I run a, I run a program, uh, a day program where uh, people can go during the day. It's like a community center and you, you don't know when um, the department of, of public health is going to come by and just check in. So you try your best to keep everything going um, as smoothly and keep everything as clean as possible and stuff like that. But then when you look at this picture uh, of the habitat, the photo, it's, it's like, I, I just, to me, that's not what zoos strive to create in the first place. And if it's going to be a mixed species um, enclosure, then it should really be really large and really naturalistic and stuff like that. So, I mean, you're seeing just this weird zoopoxy, rock ground um i'm sure they could just spray it down to clean it and it looks like they did that recently um from from the photo and from the video but um it just doesn't look good and i think they're probably they probably felt foolish given what had happened and then the um you know social media uh outcrying that happened afterwards because then um now here's this one enclosure, you know, they have hundreds of enclosures and have no idea which one is going to be the focal point of, you know, a bunch of social media and stuff like that. And then this is the one. So I I kind of feel bad for them, but at the same time, that's why, you know, we as keepers and anyone, whether you're, uh, you know, um, curator of a zoo collection or have a couple of readier sliders, you should really think about the animals that you have and how you can provide best for them. And, um, how it might look um, if the right or wrong person ends up seeing your enclosures for the right or wrong reason. That makes sense. Definitely. Thank you, sir.
1: All right. Uh, You want anything more on that one? Or are we moving on to the next topic, brother?
0: We can move on. We can move on. We can keep it moving.
1: All right. We do apologize for no John. He's normally kind of the, um, the flow master, so to speak. So uh, we'll try our, to do our best to uh, keep a smooth show running tonight. We didn't do quite as well without the last time we had to do it by ourselves. So,
0: you I know. speak I speak for both Steve and I when I say that we really don't know what we've got until it's gone. Because both of us don't appreciate John at all. And I would tell John that that to his face. So now I'm not having him here. It's always, <laughs> it's always interesting without him here. His jokes and uh, overall uh, stupidity at times are uh terrific and a big help but um we're gonna do our best and we, i think we're already feeling good and we've got more topics planned so i'm feeling prepared for once i'm the type of fly by the seat of my pants guy steve is very organized um and bless his heart he always puts up with john and i when we just go ahead and and go with the flow you know?
1: hey don't forget i'm a jazz musician i like some good improv too
0: oh man we're, i wish i had some candies so i could eat it right now because <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the joke that we had a few shows ago, uh, I think it was episode 19, was basically take a bite of Halloween candy anytime someone says something that is like within their realm a little too much. So for me, it's basically being gluttonous. Um, I'm 320 plus pounds. I like food. Uh, I, I, don't like to, I don't like to sugarcoat things. I, actually, I love to sugarcoat things. I won't sugarcoat this. That. I do love food. Um, Steve, of course, is a bit of a nerd in a good way. We're all nerds, but Steve is like King nerd. And then John is, can be very stupid at times, especially on the show. Um, so that was the plan. So anyway, I was wish, wishing I had some Halloween candy so I can make fun of Steve. But anyway, the next topic moving on before I get too off track here. Um, I was the lucky recipient of a few of the new, uh, turtle room and, uh, Turtle Survival Alliance 2016 calendars that are absolutely terrific, and I just got them in the mail today, only a few days into January, so I'm doing well, Mm -hmm. Um, and so impressed. I mean, I've seen like the digital um, copy and stuff like that, and this is our third year making a calendar. This is the first time that we've um, partnered with the TSA on it. And, um, a certain percentage of the proceeds go to the TSA. Steve, what's the percentage or the, Uh, the
1: we did a a, ended up with a
0: $3 and 50 cents per calendar, which is great because the calendars are cheaply priced (laughs) and they're beautiful. And, and just seeing it in person today, was amazing. And I, my daughter is 17 months old. She's, she's hilarious. Um, and she just runs around the house getting into trouble. But, um, today the highlight of my day was when the the calendars came in the mail and she's running around with the calendar, flipping through the pages and everyone, she's pointing out all the species to me, all the different pictures and saying, wow, wow. It was like really impressed by the calendar. I thought that was, well, for a turtle nerd, it melts my heart, but also just like to see the calendar was great. The, the photos are terrific, um, really high quality. The colors amazing. So, Steve, would it be possible for us to show some of the photos and maybe talk about the species that are in the calendar this year?
1: Yeah, we'll just drop up the, uh, the cover for a while. So you know, Everybody's seen this on social media by now, I would expect. <clears throat> uh, this animal is a Cora Beretti, uh, kept by... Uh, Chris Leone, one of our uh, husbandry specialists uh, slash Garden State Tortoise, you may know him as, as well. Just a beautiful specimen, beautiful picture. Really ended up being a perfect cover image uh, mm-hmm. to display uh, the logos on and everything. Just was a great fit.
0: I'm forgetting the year, but it was pretty recent. The, the flowerback box turtles, there's three species. There's Cora Beretti, the berett's box turtle here. There's Pictorata. Pictorata and then also um, galbinophrons, and they, they separated them recently. Uh, it was several years ago at this point. Uh, well, recently in terms of natural history in general. Yeah, true.
1: Um, here's a hatchling of the same species coming to you from the Turtle Survival Alliance's Turtle Survival Center, which is where uh, the contribution to the TSA goes. Um, so at the end of the year, we took $3 and 50 cents from every calendar we sold and donated that to the TSA on December 31st. Um, and then, uh, <clears throat> during the next two months, January through the end of February, uh, same thing. We're still selling them at full price and the don the full donation will go to the TSA's turtle survival center. And then after February, uh, we'll have, we'll cut the price, uh, but no donation will go to the TSA either. So we really encourage you to, to buy them now when they're full price, not because we get more money, but because uh, the TSA gets more money.
0: Yeah. And because you need to know what you're doing in early January. I mean, I can't imagine getting a calendar any later than I got mine today. What are you know? How are you going to keep track of your important affairs? You know, I'm just saying. So here's January's picture by the way. Oh yeah. That's Joe's correct. Yeah, that's one of Joe's. Yeah, I figured, I mean, by process of elimination and the nice enclosure and everything. So that's that's an adult or is that an adult? Is that his is that a female or is male? Do you know? Did he I don't say? I don't remember. I mean it looks it looks male ish.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
0: Yeah, but his male is sub adult too, so right. um maybe the maybe the markings haven't uh, changed a lot yet. So, that's a, a Vietnamese black breasted leaf turtle or Geoemida spangleri, as many people know, are one of my favorite species and really a great, great pet turtle and a turtle that really needs to not be kept as a pet, but to be bred. And specifically, males need to be produced, we're very low in males in that species. Definitely. This is, um, this is one of our favorites here at the turtle room. And, um,
1: Chris Leone, uh, towards the end of 2015 was able to grab, uh, several more females. <clears throat> so we're up to, um, Oh shoot. Two. I don't remember how many females we've got now, but yeah, so Chris added three females. Joe's got a couple. Um, we've got a number of young offspring that Anthony and I have managed to, to get over the past few years, um, from our prolific couple mm-hmm. uh, this is uh, one of our flagship species you've probably heard us talk
0: about it a million times at this point so but we're going to keep going and if you have to hear us speak about spangler two million times then that's the chance we're willing to take so See, and
1: if you had one of these calendars before friday when we announced this episode of the podcast you
0: would have been able to write podcast in your calendar so you <laughs> wouldn't forget <laughs> nice nice Diagonal, I think boxes can be kind of small sometimes. I I write with I usually use crayons and I hold them like a toddler, so I like to write diagonal because then I can fit it in the box. Just saying.
1: There's February. Uh, It looks awfully familiar.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the that's the (coughs) that's the title page. Oh yeah, there he is, old Sandbeard. He looks like he's been eating. I don't know. I don't know what that is. He got to like the bottom of the pretzel bag or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Every time he climbs up into his basking area, cause he refuses to use the ramp very often. He just climb, scales up the wall and then he flops down in. And obviously when he's wet, the sand just sticks to his, well, everything that hit the sand. So <laughs> that's Bonsai, our wonderful four eyed turtle. Um, you've probably heard us talk a lot about him over the past 13 months since we managed to find him at Hamburg for an absolute steal. Um, Another one of our favorites,
0: really. A great species, great species. Um, This, and it's amazing how much uh, variance you get in the behavior. I have a male in my care, and Steve has this male in his care, and they are night and day different than one another. Um, The male I have is over 400 grams. This male that Steve has is around 200 grams, a little above, maybe like 220. Steve, is that right? Uh I thought it was about 250 but yeah he's definitely not as big okay so you know <laughs> both adult males that have been in the states for a while a long time and um totally different behaviors where uh bonsai this male that Steve has is really outgoing really um Really aggr- food aggressive, uh, really fun to watch, that sort of thing. And just looking at that photo, there is no way I could ever get that photo of the male that I have. He is scared. If I come down the stairs, he doesn't even have to see me. He feels the vibrations. He's in his shell forever. I can sit there and wait as patiently as possible. It doesn't matter. I can be there all night. He will not take a peek at me. It's, it's wild. It's wild. And he's bigger. He's supposed to be tougher, you know? I'm just saying. You know, no one's going to beat you up, man. You're the you're the king of the castle here.
1: They are um, highly omnivorous. Um, Bonsai will eat, well, you name it. He ate, uh, he really actually enjoyed some celery. Earlier oh. this week. I was surprised. Most turtles won't really go after the celery because, you know, it's a little bitter, et cetera. He really dug the celery. He likes worms, fruits, apparently celery. Uh, I've I never heard of that before with celery. It's great. Haven't found something he doesn't really want to eat. So uh,
0: that's a, a good idea, really, because with the way both of them, both of them do eat a lot, and if you're looking for ways to uh, feed them and keep them eating without uh, them taking on too many calories, maybe maybe a piece of celery isn't a bad idea. Right? Yeah, well, you know, and this guy just
1: loves attention. I mean, I as weird as it is, so sometimes you put pellets in for him to eat, but he since you're still standing in front of the tank, he just doesn't bother eating anything because he's too interested in whatever we're doing yeah. on the other side of the tank. So <clears throat> <laughs> my, my wife just loves his personality. Um, he's probably one of her favorite turtles ever. So um, yeah, four eyed turtles. Awesome. Um, we do have a, a species profile on, on, uh, on our website for these guys. It's a relatively short one compared to the GMI to one. But uh, we do have that up there. Uh, so check that out if you want to learn more on uh, uh, about Cecalia quadriochilata, the four eyed turtle.
0: Yeah. And when we create those species profiles, basically what we're doing is um, we are using our knowledge, as limited as it is at times, uh, from keeping the species. And then we're comparing that to every single piece of literature that we can find and then using that to basically weight all of the information that's out there um, and put together the best uh, accumulation of, of information that we can using that and making it available to, um, to anyone on the internet. Um, sometimes with a lot of these rarer species, they really need, they're, they're in the pet trade. They, they have been here for years uh, since the large scale importation uh, around the turn of the century, uh, almost two decades ago now. And there's not information. There's just not. And people will jump to buy stuff because it's rare, or maybe they just end up with something because they end up with it. Um, but it's really difficult to track down the information. And we love that. That's what we love to do. So if we can, if we can buy all the books that have ever been written on the subject, and visit every website that has anything posted, or, or that's uh, any website that's hosting anything like that, uh, um, you know, sharing anything like that. Um, on their webpage, we're going to do the, we're going to read those five times each and take everything and, um, get the information to you in the best way that we can. And hopefully, you know, um, uh, help make the next person's job a little easier when they go to, uh, provide care for something or spread the good word or whatever. That makes sense.
1: Before we leave Secalia, I should put a plug out there we would love to be able to bring in an adult female four-eyed turtle unrelated to, you know, our males or more than one. So if you happen to know anybody who's trying to find a good home for a female four-eyed turtle, just give us a holler. I like
0: that. Let's just do that here. You guys ready? I'll tell you all the animals I want for for Christmas next year. And you've got, you know, you've got uh, about 51, 50 and a half weeks to uh, to fill my stocking with turtles.
1: <laughs> if only that would work. <laughs> oh man. Uh, and here's December's picture.
0: I have a I have big feet by the way too. So they're big stockings. So it'll take a lot of a lot of four-eyed turtles to fill my stocking. That's all I'm saying.
1: This is Cicalia Beli, the Beal's eyed turtle. If you look carefully you can see there's kind of four eyes. You can see the kind of center dots. But there's not uh, the brightness that the four-eyed turtle would have on the head.
0: Still an awesome species. And this is a female. Yes. Yeah, and we found recently it's been kind of difficult to track down males of this species and to track down females of the other species in the genus. Are there, four, are there three species in the genus, Steve? Uh, only two. Oh, I there, thought there were. There
1: had been for some time, there was, you know, one of those Asian hybrids that got yep. named in full species. It was um, Cicalia pseudo-chilada. yes but it, was I found, saw it was found to be a hybrid between um, Cicalia and uh, I can't remember if it was one of the Maremis or one of the Quora, but either mm. way, it was one of those, one of those hybrids that was found in a market and then classified until testing was later able to be done.
0: Understood. I wonder what book I was reading when they were talking about it. And that's exactly what it was. And, and that made me think, oh, wow, there's three. Because obviously I knew of the two. Um, but that's interesting. See, this is why I ask you. It's nice to it's nice to have a resident expert on things. <clears throat> um, let's see. We were
1: at, uh, well, here, here's the next one. I jumped back up to April, I think it is.
0: Yeah. Okay, viewers. What is it? What is it? Let us know now. Yeah. When actually I went through the calendar with my wife and I showed her every photo and I'm telling her what they are. And she was not really paying attention. She was probably texting for three quarters of it. But when I said pancake tortoise, her eyes perked up because I mean, look at them. You know, she knows I, what a pancake tortoise is.
1: I love the look of the, the hatchlings. They're so they're so neat. Can, uh, some of them have had. I've seen some with some really neat patterns, especially you know a week or two out of the egg. Just really yeah. kind of impressive.
0: Yeah, and here's a, a great example. This this species is widely available. They are if you set them up the right way, um, they're they can be a really great pet tortoise, um, and they're affordable enough. I mean, they're not cheap by any means, but um, here's a species that really is in need of help. I mean, the TSA um, has adopted them out in the past to their members and it's because they're, you know, a species in need. And um, so I, I just, I, I think people don't necessarily realize that. So you can make the same argument um, for sulcatas that they're really rare in nature too, but They've become so commercialized that um, we've pretty much done well by that species. Um, and But yet everybody wants Sokatas just because they're cheap and they look like cute little ping pongs. And I don't know, it's some, I guess for some reason people don't, people aren't scared to buy them early on because they think, well, I've got 10 years before this thing is huge to get my act together. Or, you know, I can, keep it in my basement or keep it in my backyard or whatever and aren't really thinking about the animal's best, uh, the welfare of the animal. And, and again, those pancake tortoises, they're beautiful. They have an awesome story. They're really unique. I mean, the way that their, their shell is formed so that they can take in air and kind of puff themselves up so that they fit into a crevice in, in like a rocky, uh, outcrop or whatever you want to call it, they can just sit right in there and, and puff up and you'll never get them out of there. I think that sort of thing is so cool. So yeah, this is a tortoise as we know it, which is why we are talking about it, but a totally different uh, different meaning to the word tortoise or turtle or whatever. They have a totally different way of, of getting the job done. I think that's really cool. Um, and it's something that people don't necessarily know about or um, appreciate enough in my opinion whatever that's worth.
1: So true. And you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I know uh, in the turtle community and the scientific, in the human community, there can be a lot of differences on, you know, evolution versus creation, whatever, regardless of which point of view you really buy into. It's one of those things that impresses you either way. It impresses you to the, the, whether it's the evolution that the, the tortoise managed to evolve to, you know, fill that niche or, you You know, if you come from the other side, it's still just as impressive to have the creation that it fits the, you know, the exact environment it's in. So no matter which way, you're, you know, you see the world. uh, You know, it's one of those animals that I think impresses people no matter what.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's next?
1: Um, These were a new addition to the Turtle Room's clan this year. And they laid not long after arriving at Chris Leone's Garden State Tortoise. Um, this species is listed in... Well, these, these turtles of this species are listed in the AZA Species Survival Program. And we've placed... Uh, um, <clears throat> we temperature-sex the offspring. Two of the offspring will be listed. And the other four are essentially ours to, to do with as we please. Um, so we, I think Chris gifted one uh, to a friend and um, uh, we're hanging on to the others for now, as I recall.
0: Um, Anthony, they are? These are the aquatic or co, co- Yeah, co <laughs> <laughs> Box turtles. So uh, really rare species um, of aquatic box turtle. And um, I, I put them right there with the Pacific pond turtle, actinemis marmorata, um, from obviously the Western United States, people look at them and they consider them a very drab species. Um, I think they're absolutely gorgeous. I really do. I really do. I had some photos. I wish I had them up right now so that I could share them um, of, of Chris's adults. And if you look at those babies in that photo, Oh my goodness, they're absolutely breathtaking. They really are like nothing you've ever seen. If you were to, to make a Frankenstein, monster of like baby turtle parts it's like the best the, the carapace looks like um looks like maybe like a like a northern red belly um which is known for having like really beautiful um markings and then that the eyes are like uh, diamondback terrapins like that that is a heck of a species right there and really a tremendous uh tremendous achievement um by Chris uh, to to have bred them, and um, we're just really proud of him and proud of our guys who were involved in the in the project. Um, so it's just an exciting one. So, so t- to me, and I know Steve would agree that that photo means a lot more um, than than just the animals in the photo or, or what have you. There's a story behind it that, it, like, in 2025. I'll be able to look back at the 2016 calendar and see that photo and say, Oh man, I remember that. I remember when that photo was taken, he took photos with the babies next to the adults to kind of celebrate, uh, the whole situation and everything within like the first week of them being, uh, hatched and, and, um, I'll always be able to remember that. So to me, that, that photo is really special and I didn't even do it, but you know, I'm, I live vicariously through him a lot. So,
1: yeah, we all tend to do that.
0: Yeah. can't help it i mean the guy's got some really cool stuff going on ain't that the truth here's our little herd (laughs) yeah we hatched six of them this year this was for a while we only had four that had hatched and then um, a while later we hatched two more um, and by that time i had already i had already moved to to another location so the most i had at any time this year was four but we hatched six this year. So these are the Vietnamese uh, black breasted leaf turtles again. Um, And as Steve said about the, um, the aquatic box turtles, we also, these are also listed on uh, the AZA uh, species survival program and species survival plan and stud book program as well.
1: Right. Um, The uh, four of them that we hatched were from our adult pair that are in the SSP. The other two, um, We have another friend who brings a couple of his females for a visit to our male, and that was where the other two um, offspring had come from. So um, Anthony, while we're talking about Geomitis spangleri, Anthony has written a fairly detailed species profile um, for these guys on our website, and even more detailed coming out. Uh, Hopefully sometime here in 2016, I I think, is the plan. Uh, We're still putting some pieces together, but um, thanks to Russ Gurley uh, and Living Art Publishing, um, Anthony will be publishing a Geomida book this year. Um, Really proud of him for this first uh, book effort. Um, It will cover mainly Geomida Spangleri and Geomida Japonica with a shout-out to...
0: to, that's a that's a good way of J. <S. <S. putting it.
1: Vijayacles Sylvatica.
0: Yeah. I would have pronounced that differently. V.J. Vijayacoles.
1: Yeah, I can't remember if there's actually a vowel between the Y and the C. It may be just V.J. Achilles or something. I can't remember. I'd have to look at it again.
0: It's pretty good though. I, I whenever I hear you say it, I I want to change the way I talk. But well, yeah. the, the
1: tough part to remember with some of these genuses and species is they've got that con- that like common name thrown in there so the like the part of that belongs to somebody's name is supposed to be pronounced like their name not like you'd pronounce it if it were latin so you kind of have to you know throw in the in this case indian name and then switch to latin right away so it can be a a (laughs) bit of a tongue twister since you're practically switching languages in the middle of the of the word
0: i can barely speak english let's be honest i'm just saying i'm not a master of the language over here you know what i mean truth i don't think any of us are but <laughs> but you're absolutely right though yeah switching from yeah that's <clears throat> the indian surname to Latin in the same way right. exactly yeah that's that's a skill that i have not mastered that's for sure never right.
1: and that's why that's why people struggle with cora joey for the same
0: reason. I, I thought that was great actually because when i was at and i know um it was said at the TSA conference that you were at, and then it was said at the TTPG conference in Arizona that I was at. And um, with that species, with with Cora Joey, and that's the one that starts with the Z. For anyone out there um, who uh, is keeping score at home, um, it looks like Zawai or Zoai, um, or but it's Joey, and it's not joey or or. That's the one that people, if they get the J sound right, but it's actually Joey and it's spelled with a Z, not a J, but really confusing, but so helpful. I wish there was 340 turtle specialists uh, that could stand up for each one of their species that they specialize in and, and just read the name for me so that I can not butcher names anymore.
1: While we're talking scientific names, let's bust up another one. This is a little fun thing for all you turtle lovers out here. Um, what we tend to call the Rhode Island snake neck. It turns out that it's not really supposed to be spelled R-O-T-I. It's supposed to be spelled R-O-T-E, and thus it would be pronounced Rote, not roti. Um uh, so apparently the Indonesians think it's absolutely weird that we can't get this one right since we tend to spell and pronounce all the rest of their islands right. We get this one wrong, so they think that's kind of weird. Um, this comes to you from Chris Hagen, actually, he's the one who was telling me about this. Um he's uh, Turtle Survival Alliance's uh director of animal management. Um so when you see what you th- currently call the roti
0: island snake neck, it's actually the Rote Island snake neck. But what, is the I replacing the E just them trying to Latinize it? No, I don't think so. I think it's because at some point somebody saw
1: R-O-T-E and said Roti, and then people realized normally when there's an E, there's an I. And so I think it just kind of went that way. But who knows? It's, we, we've been doing it wrong for a very, very, very long time. So apparently every time, every time Chris says, has somebody, you know, type or say roadie, he corrects it. And so he's on, on a, um, on a uh, what's the word? T- uh, on a, a mission? crusade. He's on a crusade to spell and pronounce that correctly.
0: <laughs> and I told him that I would join his crusade. Well, congratulations to both of you. I'm not on that crusade, just so everyone else knows. Again, for those who are keeping track at home, I'm not on that crusade. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not qualified. It's the Rote Island Snake Neck. I'm not qualified. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. But, uh, yeah, it's, that's very interesting. Did, did he mention – so so if somebody spells it with an within I, is that crusade part of that too or just the pronunciation?
1: Uh, both because it should be spelled with an E. The reason the pronunciation is roadie is because people are spelling it
0: with the I. I mixed it up. I'm sorry. So I just confused everyone, including myself. So, (laughs) so if they spell it with the I, which is the way it's always spelled, then, um, everyone else, uh, then, then he would fix, fix it for everybody. Right. Okay. I'll join that. Then That's easy enough. All right. Have that yeah. Right now. yeah, we just need
1: to switch. We just need to switch it from T with an i to rotate with an e on the end, and we're good to go.
0: Sounds good. It's easy enough. I can do
1: that. All right. Here's that. the next one. This one is a unique animal. Most of you won't know what it is.
0: Well, I know what it is.
1: Uh, I know what it is. When when people see it, we get we say, hey, they go, they look at it, and they call it about two or three other different things. Um, and granted. Let's be honest it's a quora hatching out of an egg and some of their heads look a lot similar especially when they are just size. So it's okay if you don't recognize that it is Quora oro capitata at first glance. Can did you Steve did you
0: ever watch Beavis and Butthead? Uh, not very often no. All right so for anyone out there who's um, around my age or whatever and has watched Beavis and Butthead before when when Beavis puts his shirt over his head and goes like this and, and but Whatever. It's a, it's a silly thing, and I'm not going to imitate it, but when I hear the species name of this turtle or read it or whatever, it makes me think of Beavis sometimes. I just felt like I needed to come clean on that. <laughs> I, need to, I need everyone to hear me say that so that we can just clear the air, and now, now everyone knows. Arocapitapa. So exactly. this
1: picture comes to you again from the Turtle Survival Alliances Turtle Survival Center, just like the hatchling Cora Beretti did earlier. Like
0: that. If if here's the deal: if one person watches this and knows what I'm talking about, it would it, it's all worth it. So
1: I, I hope somebody did. I hope somebody
0: say, if we were good people, we would say if somebody learned something from this pro, this this podcast then we would have done something right. But if somebody got the Beavis and Butthead reference specifically, then I would have known that this was all worth it. So feel free to email me afterwards, (laughs) Anthony, Anthony at the turtle room and let me know that you got my reference and I will be a happy camper. That'd be terrific. What's next, man? Well, do you know anything about Ari Capitata? I
1: know very little about Cora Arocapitata. If we would have had Steve Rosen or Ben Forrest here, I bet we could have learned a whole lot about Cora Arocapitata.
0: Well, I think, you know, it's it's uh, another one of those species that um, when when the, I'm not sure which came first, the chicken or the egg, but a lot of species are only known because of the, the um, f- food markets and live animal markets and stuff like that and, um, the sad truth is that so many of the um, Asian species, especially uh, the Asian box turtles the, of the genus Cora, 92% of that genus mm-hmm. is um, at risk of extinction. That's a lot. So, um, and and really the
1: other 8% probably isn't far behind.
0: Yeah, and uh, f- rapidly approaching that, of course, because everything is, is it's like a vacuum, basically, um, that's just sucking up all... Uh, all the world's turtles and, and you know, it's obviously expanding out outward and taking more and more animals in and, and that affects species in a different way, depending on what their range is or how easy they are to catch or even human made borders, depending on what country they're in and whatever the regulations are or how easy it is to, to poach them and smuggle them from one country to another stuff like that. So um, I've read a little bit about Arocapitata and um I mean, it's, the story isn't that unfamiliar from some of the other species, basically just, you know, really rare and um, tough to kind of nail down the genetics at first and things like that because of um, hybridization and then also not knowing where certain animals that ended up in the food trade originally um, came from and things like that. So just basically your textbook Quora species. So sad but um, shows how important uh, the work of the TSA is and um, the work that we're trying to do. Not to toot our own horn or anything, but it's an important thing. What's next, Maestro?
1: I was hoping you were reading your little chat box there.
0: Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got it. I got it. So the species that we have next is – because now I looked at my chat box. I'm embarrassed. This is really some intense uh, uh, technology that we're using here. We can actually chat each other and see each other at the same time. It's like, how do they do it?
1: Anthony forgets about one of them sometimes.
0: <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> so the next species is um, is a really great one one that I've been able to go out in the field uh, with a citizen scientist to track um, via um, radio transmitter, which is really cool. So you attach a transmitter to the to the carapace of the turtle shell towards the posterior end, towards the back end. And the antenna kind of comes off pointing back, so they don't really get caught on shrubs or anything, and actually do quite well with them. But um, they can stay on for a while, and and you basically when you go in the field, you use this big antenna and use it to to see what their location is and get right up next to the turtle, which is amazing because in the spring, if you're lucky, you might see them in the summer, you will not see them. But, um, the species is not kept by many of the, uh, turtle room guys, actually only one of us, um, to protect it throughout their range. So that means Steve and I can't keep them. Uh, but for the people who do and who live in areas where they can, um, it's, it's definitely a fan favorite. So, um, you have the photo? Drum roll.
1: And here it comes. Oh, yeah. Glyptemys and Sculpta, the North American wood turtle, um, <clears throat> famed in song and story. Uh, sometimes it's known as one of the big three. Um, wood turtles, spotted turtles, and bog turtles. Uh, the trifecta is sometimes used. Uh, this is a, one of the members. Uh, just a beautiful specimen. Um, Chris Leone uh, has um, worked with the New Jersey um, wildlife folks to uh, make sure his animals are in good standing with them. And uh, they've even um, ha- have given him some animals that they've confiscated from other folks um, that they didn't want to release back into the wild to care for as well. <clears throat> um, just uh the habitat he's got built for these two is absolutely awesome. Um, I, You've posted video of that, right, Anthony? Of me in the wild? Uh, you in the wild and Chris's habitat of these at, at Garden
0: State. I don't know that I've posted uh, of his habitat, actually. I posted of me in the wild, but not of his habitat.
1: Well, let's put that up on the list. You've got great footage of it, and it's an awesome habitat.
0: I don't know if i got great footage. You didn't? I think that's the issue. I think, I, well, first of all, you get to Chris Leone's place in New Jersey. It's like heaven on earth, okay, especially for a nerd like me. You walk up, there's, you know, a turkey the size of my car, goblin, uh, roosters crawling. It's, it's awesome. And then you get up, and obviously there's the colonians everywhere, turtles and tortoises. And you try so hard to take in as much as you can. You know, breathe it all in, try to remember how he builds the enclosures and stuff like that, because it's just amazing. And for someone who lives up north, there's no better place to go than his place. Not that he's inviting everyone, but I'm just saying it's something you appreciate. Even if you can look at the the photos of his enclosures in the reptiles magazines um, that, (laughs) you know, that you – uh, that you might get, you know, at Petco or PetSmart or whatever. Those photos are priceless because not only are you seeing how someone sets them up, but you're seeing how someone sets up his animals in the Northeast. It's ridiculous. You can't, you know, it's it's amazing how successful he is and how beautiful and elaborate those enclosures are up here in the you know, frozen tundra that we live in to steal a term from the 1960s NFL Films broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, we, we've we had a, a
1: relatively mild winter so far. Um, Don't well, say it. We had a nice cold snap uh, today. Didn't break freezing here. Lowe's tonight expected to be in the teens. I actually love this. I, I love a good winter. Um, <clears throat> I'm unusual probably for turtle and tortoise keepers in that regard, but I love all four seasons, so I wouldn't want to move from uh, my nice little chunk of Pennsylvania at all. You're love stuck. it here.
0: You suck. You know, when you have a friend, you're, misery loves company, and I'd love to just be able to complain to you and have you be like, yeah, man, you know what? I feel your pain. Just validate me once. Validate me once. <clears throat> the cold stinks. Just say it. Sometimes. I agree. Oh! Does everyone see what I'm dealing with here? Does everyone see what I'm dealing with? This is, what, this is, this is one of my best friends in the, absolute, in the entire world right here. And This is what I'm dealing with. Validate my feelings, you know? I have to talk to my therapist about it three times a week. I love to walk out and and get that brisk winter air. (laughs) Well, I'm just kidding. calm and peace of a good snowstorm. Here's the deal. I'm not making fun of anyone who's in therapy, okay? Because I'm a social worker and some of my best friends are therapists and it's wonderful. If you've never been to therapy, go. It's terrific. But I was just kidding about me going to therapy. I'm just saying. We don't get to talk about ourselves enough. You know what I mean? No, we don't. We don't. It, you know? <clears throat> just saying. I'm just We're, saying. Oh, we next just picture. Talk about your interests, right? So sorry. Continue. Uh, next picture.
1: Cardinals baseball, Tar Heel basketball, music,
0: math. Turtles come first, though. <laughs> See, but didn't that feel good just to get that out? Like, here I am. This is what I care about. You're talking to me. I'm True. not listening to you because I want to tell you about me. Although,
1: you know, we've – if you want to learn more about us, we've tried to include some of these cool little nuggets
0: in our bios on our website. Don't flatter yourself. Don't flatter yourself. Neither of us have cool nuggets. Neither of us. There are no cool nuggets here. Mildly interesting nuggets. Is that better? <laughs> it's, it's, it's all right. It is what it is. It's subjective. Here's the next one. Uh, this is actually a picture <laughs> taken by my dear friend, Anthony. Oh, Oh, I know those jerks. So um, this is the same genus as uh, the Vietnamese black-breasted leaf turtles. These are the Ryukyu black-breasted leaf turtles, or um, sometimes referred to as the Okinawa black-breasted leaf turtles. Their small range is um, restricted to the Ryukyu islands off the coast of Japan. Um, they are a tremendous species. I've spoken about them before um, uh my favorite author, um, who is no longer with us, um, wrote an article about 12 years ago that like, changed my life, and it was about that species. So for me, that species means a ton to me. I think they represent a lot about our hobby. They represent a lot about conservation and uh, culture, and, and there's just so many layers there. And when I speak with other uh, enthusiasts who are into that species, I'm always surprised to see that there, it's, there's so much to them that there's always something you can learn, but then there's always something that you can teach to others um, if you keep researching and stuff like that. Because there's, there's, there's not a lot of information published, but there's a lot of information there on them, if that makes any sense. Um You most some of the best information I, I've gotten that species is on like converse, on, on talk forums and stuff like that, and then personal communication too, because people keep them really quiet because of the way they originally got here. We had a talk on one of the past podcasts It was probably like episode 10 or something like that about when does an animal actually become Americanized, right? So if you look at, and I'm sorry to bring it up again, but just a quick uh, summary overview or whatever. Um, if you look at the bearded dragon, there are strict, uh, there, it has been strictly protected in Australia. Uh, Australian animals really have been strictly protected for a really long time. Um, and they, they have been since the 1960s. Bearded dragons didn't really get here until after that. I believe Hank mole was the person who brought them over. Now Hank malt, you mean, Hank Moll, Moll. yes. The infamous, the infamous, yes. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, I don't know why Mole came out. Mole, yeah. So um, he was the first to bring them over, so they got here illegally. Um, It says so in in books, so I didn't make that up. And, um, but now, I mean, you'd never be, you never get in trouble or be frowned upon or anything for having a bearded dragon. It's 100% Americanized, they're as much American citizen as I am. And um, the Japonica, that species that you showed, is another story just like that, where they've been protected since uh, June 26, 1975, I think 75, which is actually John's birthday. Uh, that's, I'll never forget that date because of that. So um, what, what was that reaction? Did you forget? That was episode six when we were still audio only. We covered that. See that? Thank you for looking that up. That's so cool! Wow. But yeah, but they, but but this is an important one to me. But anyway, so they they've been they've been protected there since uh, since 1975, and they came over. Some of them came over illegally. There was uh, there was paperwork, like legal paperwork for some that were captive bred in Hong Kong, which wasn't really happening. Ninety nine percent sure of that um they it was just a convenient midway point for ones that were coming over here and uh but all of mine are captive bred so are they americanized i don't know could i get in trouble for having them i don't really know i don't think so i hope not um who knows so just an interesting conversation there and um i don't know just one that I think is worth having and um, one that I think if you understand a lot of the nuances, then you really have a good understanding of reptile keeping in general and kind of what we need to do and, and um, what it really means to be like keeping animals for conservation and then how we can kind of learn a little more so we could avoid being full of crap, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, um, Anthony touched on it a good bit in episode six. So if you, uh, when he and John were recording just via audio, um, so if you want to hear more about that, I'd check out our old episode six. Um, yeah, especially with um, this particular species, the um, Geomida japonica. Um, there's a whole, bu- a whole, uh, whole can of worms there, really, um, because it's a species that there aren't really enough of in the United States, as far as you know, founder animals to to really develop much of an insure assurance program anyway. And it's highly unlikely Japan would actually be willing to take anything back and stick them back in the wild. Never. Um, but it's yep. pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much a never. And so <clears throat> to say, uh, you're, you're keeping them for conservation, you know, can be a limited thing as well because there's really a, not a whole lot that can really be done for conservation. Um, the only thing that can really be happen is at this point, if they go extinct in the wild, at least there's a bunch that are cared for in, in captivity, but conservation really needs to happen in the wild with this species since there's no chance in any of our animals from the U S offspring from these ever ending up back in Japan in the wild. Right. And again, uh, we've touched on, I think there is at least one other episode where we've touched on that kind of topic, but I know there's a lot of it back there in episode six. Uh, I can't believe it's that long. That's
0: just, wow. That was Two years ago right this is what i'm saying we got to revisit I it man. i should have looked at the date <laughs> don't tell anyone that because they're going to do the math and say these jokers don't do a podcast every month well, well you know, oh, we, we do uh, right trying to get a whole lot better at it this is a new us and you're going to get a podcast every month whether you like it or not and that's it you don't have, have to watch but we're going to be there <sighs> broadcasting live from our basements or our second or our cat room in steve's in, in Steve's... Uh,
1: yeah, this is the office slash guest room slash... their slash room
0: headquarters. Slash cat room.
1: Right. They like... Well, they're hanging out with me because Lisa's not here. And they also... <laughs> and the, part of the thing is...
0: We were so off good. for the
1: last 11 days consecutive. So they get kind of used to the company. Apparently, Calvin was howling at the door after I left this morning. Howling.
0: It's terrific. Hi, Calvin. Um,
1: but, yeah, he's actually sitting back here now, too. So... Um, but they enjoy company, so that's why they're here. Terrific. Here's our last picture from our last month, full month picture from the calendar. This is Minoria impressa uh, from Ben Forrest, one of our uh, absolutely talented uh, conservation husbandry specialists. The man is just has a, has a gift for being able to to care for turtles and tortoises that need intensive caring.
0: Those of you who know me know my extensive list of man crushes. Ben is definitely up there. Definitely up there. He's When the guy talks, you listen. That's, that's what's important. And those are the people I'm drawn to. So um, a wealth of knowledge and um, really interested to see. He's got some really cool stuff going on, so I'm really interested to see what type of uh, you know cool projects he's working on soon and stuff like that. Um, you don't necessarily see him as, uh, active on social media and stuff like that, but he's doing some really good stuff behind the scenes and he's just a microcosm really of how, um, this hobby or, or whatever arena, whatever you want to call it is Is that there's a lot of really talented people out there who you don't necessarily hear from a lot. And like I said, when you do, you better listen and take notes because, um, there's some, there's some knowledge out there. We could all benefit from, from learning. So,
1: well, um, yeah, that's actually one of the things that drew Ben to us a little bit is he wanted to be able to get plugged in more and really contribute more to conservation, but kind of keep behind the scenes at the same time. Right. So uh, it ended up being a great match. Uh, he's been with us for several years now and, um, great teammate, great person. Uh,
0: Good dude. Absolutely. But he's one of my man crushes, not yours. He can't be on both lists. Yeah. We do like a draft where we get to pick because <laughs> it doesn't make sense. If, if we both have him on our man crush list, then it takes away from like the importance. You know what I mean? It's almost like, like, uh, like seventh grade girls. Like, you know, they might have like, they can't all have a crush on the same boy because then they're going to fight. It's like, no, you know, then, cause if Ben likes me, if we both have him on our list and then he ends up liking me, then you're going to be mad at me, and vice versa. So he's just on my list.
1: We're not girls.
0: Sometimes, sometimes we, sometimes we like to act like that, like petty. Sometimes, I've you've you've acted like that before. That's all I'm saying. What? <laughs> I think I recall like a moment at
1: Hamburg, which I'm not going to go into more detail now. <laughs> uh, no, no, we need to.
0: Have I ever mentioned that on the podcast? I think you did the. F- first episode after it had occurred. Okay. Right. I don't remember so, well, though. Now, well, now I have to tell the story, number one, because I don't remember either, and I very well may well, have mentioned should it. But it we, was, should we it was go through the
1: archives and bring, come back to that story next month?
0: No, no, no. We're going to say it right now because right. we can't leave people hanging. They won't know what we're talking about, and then it would be a whole wasted moment that wasn't that funny. And then, you know, what would it be for? You know what I mean? True. Yeah. So when I made the Beavis and Butthead reference earlier, at least – they you know there was a chance they could email in and say yes anthony i got your beavis and Bothead reference and then that would have made the podcast for me so on this one there was no opening for that to you know what i mean so anyway here's the story we're at hamburg reptile show hamburg hamburg pennsylvania uh it's the sunshine state gorgeous and uh I'm standing at so, – so Steve is vending with uh, our friend Mike from the turtle uh, station and then our other friend Josh from Turtle Towns. Everyone's got to have turtle something on their business and this card. Was
1: before, this is before Chris Leone had a table at Hamburg.
0: Yeah, so for all you Hamburg, hamburgers out there. Um, so this guy walks up to the table and starts asking about Russian tortoises. And I look at him, and it's Eric Good. Now, Eric Good runs the Turtle Conservancy. Now, for me, that's a celebrity. Now, my wife loves Kardashians, Vanderpump Rules, uh, Housewives of wherever. It doesn't matter if they're housewives. My wife loves them, so I make fun of her all the time. I don't take interest in anything. She thinks she thinks that there's going to be a diamond in the rough reality show that we could both watch together. It's never going to happen. So I'm there with her. And then up walks Eric Good from the Turtle Conservancy. He's like a big deal. You know what I mean? To me anyway. So I go up to him like, oh my gosh, I just want to say I'm such a fan of your work, you know, and he looked at me like I had 10 heads and it was really awkward. And then I said, what's your name? Because he's acting like I had the wrong person. And he said, my name's Eric. I said, yes, exactly. And it was 100% him. I was not mistaken at all. This is not a celebrity. Oh, no, it, was, to... it was definitely him. He was acting like nobody, like,
1: <clears throat> he was purposely <laughs> trying to keep a low profile. Because I know one thing that Turtle Conservancy likes to do is have representatives at shows to kind of keep uh, an eye, uh, a watchful eye uh, on the... Um, on the on the trade market, it makes sense. Uh, not, I mean, not, seen... not just for scooping up animals, just, just so they're aware who's doing what and they can kind of, you know, in case people are being a little shady.
0: Yeah. Well, I see, um, I I've seen, they've had like great, um, articles and stuff in their magazine, which is called the tortoise. And, um, that will like detail with photos. Like, the wildlife market or reptile show in Jakarta or something like some weird faraway land that is so alien to us, uh, to us noobs. And it's like really awesome to see because you see the differences and stuff like that. And, you know, photos of plowshare tortoises and stuff like that. Just, just like absolutely blow your mind. So to see them at Hamburg, which is basically like our backyard, definitely Steve's backyard is like a, was really cool thing to me. And I absolutely embarrassed myself like the most I ever have in my life. And my wife still reminds me about it and makes fun of me for it. So if any of you guys get made fun of your wives, just know you're not alone because this guy, I invented being made fun of by your wife.
1: (laughs) Oh man. All right. We've only got a few minutes left. Um, I'm just going to quick show you a couple other. We have a couple smaller photos in the calendar as well. Here you can see a Quero Flavomarginata and a Moremis Zanamensis. These are both species that we're keeping in coordination with the Turtle Survival Alliance. They're both part of Turtle Survival Alliance programs. Um, This little guy, I'm not sure who he's with right now, but he's definitely with one of the Turtle Room folks, even though this photo was taken at the Turtle Survival Center. Uh, before he came to us, and um, and then we've also got uh, a group of four small pictures on the inside cover. One of Chris's beautiful radiateds, um, a Quora pictorata from the Turtle Survival Center, and then uh, Clemmy's gutata from our um, our coder, our education developer, Kevin, and uh, this um, Florida chicken
0: turtle from Andrew. Awesome. You really did a good job and I know you look it was a group effort to decide but you really did a good job deciding what photos and what species would would you know, represent us this year in the calendar it's it's gorgeous it's i can't wait i'm hanging mine up in my office tomorrow at work i can't wait uh,
1: my wife's got one hanging up in her office at work and she's not even like a a, a turtle person um, so um <clears throat> While we're th- thinking about the while we're still on the calendar, uh, I want to give a shout out to those of you that actually hopped on our website and purchased a calendar within this past hour. Awesome, we thank you very much. Um, That's really cool. We appreciate that. Um, those of you that still want to do that, we again we greatly appreciate it. The Turtle Survival Alliance would appreciate it as they get three dollars and fifty cents from every calendar we sell through from now through the end of February. Um, they got $3.50 from everyone we've sold so far as well. So, on um, that continues through the end of February. So get your calendar now. So you get to use it for January. Um, also another awesome announcement to make. Um, we've just gotten word that the snake bites TV episode that was filmed at garden state tortoise in, um, <clears throat> at Chris's place, uh, the first all, all colonial episode of snake bites TV uh, will be is set to go for apparently Wednesday morning. So you don't really wait 48 hours till you get to see this. All right. You will get a up close and personal look of all sorts of cool stuff at Chris Leone's facility. Um, remember he's a great partner of ours. His wife is a great partner of ours. Andrew Hermes from Arizona tortoise compound was in town for that event as well. Another partner of ours, um, these guys are on our staff. Great folks. And uh, so you'll you'll see Garden State tortoise gear. You'll see Arizona tortoise compound gear. You'll see some turtle room gear while you're watching that. Um, there's some cool announcements that I think are going to come out during that episode. Uh, so I'm not entirely sure. But we're really excited for this. And uh, we're just really pumped to uh, see what that comes out like on Wednesday morning. So we hope you uh, join us in excitement for that. Snake Bites TV from... The Turtle Room and Garden State Tortoise, Chris Leone's home. And we've lost Anthony for some reason. Oh. Oh, there I hear you again now. Can you hear me, yeah. You're very quiet. Maybe you just maybe you just
0: lost me. Can you hear me? Yeah,
1: I can. You're getting better. All right. Well, I can't hear you now.
0: Maybe we should end it. Go ahead, bring us home.
1: All right. Um, Since uh, we're having some audio issues, I'm going to end this now, uh, if you can hear me. We're signing off for Anthony Pierlione. I'm Steve Enders, and uh, we'll catch you, hopefully, um, in a month on February the 1st. Have a great night.